Cowboy. Cowboy. What's up there, folks? That was the Kid Rock, up and down your block. Bobby Ritchie. Been around a lot longer than most people know. This is another episode of Breaking It Down, This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast, brought to you by the one and only, the iconic, the Jack Daniels, Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey, Lynchburg, Tennessee. Please enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. My co-host, Alex Crosby's here, and we got to share my little pre-birthday festivities not even a week ago at a Kid Rock concert. And we had a couple Jack Daniels. I'm not going to lie. It was my birthday. Woo. Thank you, Jack Daniels. We were responsible. I didn't want to forget any part of this show. I had seen Bobby and or Kid Rock at Sturgis a couple months ago, or whenever Sturgis was in August, I believe, and he tore it up. 240,000 people at the Buffalo Chip. But it wasn't as intimate as it was Friday night. Was Friday night pretty intimate? Friday night was awesome. Is it not one of the best concerts of all time? It is. And I I mean, I've heard you talk about it before and I've seen I saw that little clip that you had on your phone from Sturgis, it, but you just it doesn't do it justice until you see it. It's it's an, and everybody everybody Felt the exact same way. Everybody in there sold out in eight minutes. 10,800 people. Obviously, that's a small venue for Kid Rock. But it's a casino show. They pay what they need to pay to get those craps tables and blackjack tables and pie gal going. (laughs) But, dude, from the very beginning, not one chair got sat on. No. I was looking up in the bleachers. They looked far away. We were right up front. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you, Corey. You guys are awesome. But everybody in the bleachers was standing. Like, you could not help but feel the energy of what he puts off. And the thing that I want to start off the conversation about is that it's not habitstance. It's not just like, oh, what a, you know, that's easy. I mean, he's done it a million times. This dude is so focused and so passionate about his songs and his music and his songwriting and his instrument playing and his band, his family. They are so close knit. That is one of the tightest shows I've ever seen. Like to do what they do back and forth with him and the DJ going back and kid will shut up and that guy will say, and then kid knows the exact timing. I know that the more you do it, it, it probably becomes second nature, you know, to him, but they're so tight. You know what I mean? Like that show was so freaking tight and it's because they're prepared. They're focused and they want to give their fans something to go home. And we're actually dedicating a podcast because of the way the concert made us feel. It it almost felt like it was, if he didn't improv so much stuff, you would think it was lip synced. It's that good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, that's what I think is a good live. Like I like a live show for like the improv, but I want like I want a live show to be so good that you sit there going, "Is this lip sync?" Because you don't want to go to a lip sync live show. You know, you want to you want them to be singing, and it you know they are so good and so tight. You almost are going, "This has got to be lip sync." And then you know he'd say Reno in a random song. You know that you then you know it's not lip sync. It's and it's yeah, you know or he whatever he said. You know he would improv different kind of words and sayings and. Yeah, and you know the character of Kid Rock. Obviously, he would never do that. But I know what you're saying, and here's why you're saying that, in my opinion. 
is that when you think Kid Rock, you think of maybe the 90s. You know, I remember when I spent the night at Sally's house, woke up with cotton mouth, couldn't speak, my tongue was weak from yodeling in her valley. Like <clears throat> when Kid first came out as an 18-year-old, 17-year-old rat, white rapper, that's what he's saying about. It. He was a little nasty. He was a little bit edgy. I mean, he was edgy. And and then he's known for Cowboy and Ball with the Ball and all of these songs that you get the gist of talent and, and musicianship in them. But until you actually break down his voice, and I guarantee you that he's trained. He has practiced and trained and took lessons and followed tutorials or followed tutelage of – Great singers. One of them that comes to mind that when we were walking into the show, he's playing freaking Cinderella. Tom Kiefer on freaking one of the greatest voices in rock history. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if Kid hangs out with Tom because Tom lives in Nashville and he's a voice, a vocalist coach sometimes. I'm wondering if Bobby Ritchie has sat down with him because I know that Kid Rock is dedicated to his craft and he's become such a great singer. When it, Before, you agree, he's like known as that... Kind of like that punk vibe of like hip hop meets rock meets like southern rock, insane clown posse kind of. Yeah, but in his younger days of yeah, you know the, the white wife beater and braided hair and all that stuff. You know, just just a d- totally different vibe, one hundred percent. Yeah, now it's almost like he's classically trained. Mm-hmm. As a vocalist, not to mention his drumming, his guitar playing, his piano playing, his (laughs) DJing, and his turntables, and his scratch, and like Run DMC, Raising Hell Tour in 1986, Peter Piper, Pick Peppers, and Run Like Rhyme. Um, I saw that with Beastie Boys, Public Enemy, and Run DMC at Lawler Event Center. Yes, sir. Um, But I just think that what you're trying to say is that it was so close-knit, so tight, and the vocals were so good, it's because he's dedicated Mm -hmm. and so focused on his craft of being a showman of being a vocalist, of being a lead man, of being having a band that is just legit, legit. And it, it blew my mind of looking around to see the energy, which, again, I, I'm guilty. I took two videos that night. Could have taken 100, right? right. Like, I'm, like I know who Bobby Ritchie is. I've been around him. I met him a lot of times. He's a good dude. I know Corey very well. Um, you know, I just found myself, like, not even taking my phone out, but I was looking around like, Y'all are missing it. You're watching mm-hmm. it through a four-inch screen. Stop it. Please stop it. And then I, you know, after we sobered up the next day and I looked at the videos that my sister-in-law sent me, I'm like, look at how many phones are in the air. Yeah. To remember this night. So again, whether or not you're going to use them, you're trying to, you know, film them to put on your social media or your YouTube or whatever, you're going to remember that show. Watching through a four-inch screen does not do that show justice. That dude is so live and so all over the place. And just so he didn't miss a beat that night. Not one note did he miss that night. Yep. He made every single person in that 10,800 person audience feel like he was singing directly to them, whether you were in the nosebleeds or whether you were front front and center. He, uh, I, I looked at a, well, I've looked at it for the last few days, you know, social media, because everybody that night, you know, is best show I've ever seen. You know, you, you could chalk that up to the boozes talking. Literally, Three, four, five days later, there's people still posting those videos that you're talking about. And everybody's caption says, best live show I've ever seen. Yeah. Best rock show I've ever seen. Best show I've ever seen. It was not a, you know, it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't, you know, because we're fans of his that we enjoyed that show. That was an unbelievable show. And we just saw Kiss two weeks ago before that. And Kiss is 
they're iconic. Yeah. And that was a ripping show. And it's something to do with it being so intimate, like you said, you know, but you saw him with 240,000 other people. And I think you felt the same way. Oh, I, uh, yeah, the energy, the Kiss show was awesome. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a big fan of their lyrics, but I'm a big fan of their showmanship. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they make that audience know that they spent their money on the right show, which is a big part of what Kid Rock does because you, I was on the, you know, Justin Moore, you know, Justin Moore, the singer. Yeah. He had me, luckily, I mean, I can't believe I got invited to be on his podcast. And I was on his podcast, the Justin Moore podcast, talking about, our favorites country and hip hop. Cause he knows that I told him that um, I love the diversity of music and that hip hop played a big role in my upbringing. Eighth grade. I was listening to too short and NWA, like it was going out of style. And then in my freshman year, Cypress Hill came on and I was like, who in the hell are these guys insane in the membrane and all of it. And, but I told him, I just went and saw Bobby Richie. He knows Bobby. They hang. I said, it's the best, one of the best concerts I've ever seen in my life. I said, I've seen some unreal guns and roses shows. I've seen some unreal country concerts. We just saw Hank there a couple weeks ago. What the we all decided by the end of the episode of Justin Moore podcast that there's the Mount Rushmore country music and we might have differ on those four. It might be Waylon and Merle and Don Williams. I had different ones up there: Conway Twitty, Ronnie Millsap, Garth Brooks, Travis Tritt, Jamie Johnson. We all had different names, but the cloud above Mount Rushmore for all of us was Hank Williams Jr. Bosevis, best of all time. Most underrated guy in the public's eyes, but the most badass musician and songwriter. He wrote like ninety percent of his lyrics, whether it was blues or country or rock or bluegrass or twang, whatever he was doing, he's on a different level. So, I told Justin and Jr. best one of the best concerts I've ever seen. Like I could not say, I could not go through that podcast without telling him how badass this Kid Rock show was. And people are going to be like, "Why are you trying to sell a Kid Rock show?" I'm not. I'm just that fired up, and it's been. Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It's been four and a half days since we watched him, and I want. I'm ready to go again. Like that was how good that night was for me. I'll, dude. Uh, JP is not a not a rock fan. You know, not you would never think that he would be into Kid Rock. And I showed him. I'm guilty as well of taking two videos. I got the his opening intro. Uh, I had a hunch he was going to do kind of what he did at Sturgis, and he did. And I'm glad that I got that on video because I, I like to have that. Um, and then I got the, you know, the beginning of Ba with a Ba, which he closed with that night. You know, for that God, was that powerful. for that my name is Kid Rock that he blows up so big. Just, but it's funny when I watch those videos, my phone's dipping because I'm I'm watching it. I'm watching it. You know, I told I told everybody I'm not I don't I'm not taking pictures. I don't want I don't want pictures. I don't want videos. I want to live the moment. I don't want the I don't care about you know. I'll watch those videos four or five times, but yeah, I don't I don't want to be there with my phone up the whole time because people ask you know oh get some videos of it. No, I I, I want to watch it myself. But for a guy like JP to enjoy Kid Rock as well is oh, something. JP was there. He didn't go, but he just he he bought, he got me those tickets for my birthday. And he's and he he listens to Kid Rock, you know he he, which is wild to think, you know that the diversity of that crowd, I guess, is where I was going to go with that because of what you're talking about, you know he he goes from, you know, cowboy to blue jeans and a rosary, you know he sings, he raps, he's got you know some harder songs, he's got gospel and he's got blues, yeah. he's got all these different influences and inspirations, and you're just like, how can you put this guy in a box? And then what struck me, too, is he, he does that song where he's a guitar. You know, 
he spins the records with the DJ booth. He sings. He plays the piano and he plays the drums. Good too. Good, L- legit. His like, drummer's such a badass. Oh yeah, and she's been with him since day, day one, one, right? I much, mean, yeah, just a stud. Yeah, um, but I was thoroughly impressed with that. You know, I think that's what we're talking about. It's just that range of showmanship and musicianship and and unapologetic too. Oh. Unapologetic about he, he. You don't have to put him in the box. You, you you can say he's rock and roll. You can say he's blues. You could say he's freaking rap and hip-hop, R&B. You know, he's got Picture, I think, is his, number, his biggest hit to date in the United States. I think it went number two, which blows my mind, Kid Rock. I don't know if Kid Rock's had a number one. He's well-deserving of a ton of them. Mm-hmm. But again, he might not be the most politically radio-friendly person in the world, which who gives a shit? The guy can sell out every stadium in America putting on that show. Oh, yeah. And that's what I freaking loved about it, dude, is that I, you didn't know what was coming next. And you know what's funny about touring and knowing the, the concert life is that he probably went to the next stop the next day. I think it was down in California somewhere and did that same show and sure. blew those people's mind. Sure. And I often thought, like, well, what if I was there the second night? Because I've done that. I've watched Zach Brown Band twice in the same venue where they play, where they double dip. You know, I've seen Garth Brooks two nights in a row. Every concert is special because of of the, the when you set the stage and the aura and the energy. That's what Kid Rock does so well. You might you might not hear a separate song. You might throw something new in there, but it's his energy and his ability to woo a crowd and to stay so focused on the show. Because in that type of atmosphere at a casino, you could play for sixty minutes and probably meet your obligations contractually. Mm-hmm. Dude, he did not quit. No. He did not quit. He went from A to Z and freaking blew that crowd's mind like they were the most important audience in the world. And, they, and to me, that's important, right? Because oh, yeah. I love Bocephus, but I left there going, eh, you know, Hank could have went another 30 minutes, right? Well, I've seen Willie Nelson on a $145 ticket, and he went 50 minutes. Well, Willie's 87. He could barely breathe that night. He was caught, you know, whatever the deal is. But again, they don't have – they could just – their contract's filled. They're gone. Yeah. And some a lot of artists do that. And Kid, I think Kid went over, which they got that nor- noise ordinance thing in downtown Sparks, and I think he went over, which, dude, when you're in the moment like that, how do you not go over? You know what I mean? I I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed every bit of that show. There was, you know, I never wanted to go get a beer because All there was, was... I was standing there telling, telling my group, I'm like, dude, I need to start wearing diapers. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember Richard Christie on the Howard Stern show. He's like, I wear a diaper to my favorite bands. What? You're a 40-year-old man. Well, I just don't want to miss a song. Yeah. I don't want to miss a song. And I'm like, dude, I am not leaving this concert. I, I literally, uh, you know, begrudgingly, I wanted to go get a, a shirt because the line was so long when we got there to get a shirt. And so three-quarters of the way through the show, I literally, like, fast-walked all the way around to the merch booth to buy a shirt was the only time every you know everything else i would just ask someone to grab me a beer i i held it i didn't wear a diaper but i held it and i because yeah there was no point where you'd go okay i could go grab a you know kiss has some songs i've never heard of before you know you could walk away from a song yeah we were standing in a place at kiss you know where we were like i don't know man i i love kiss and i love what they've accomplished but they're definitely not one of my favorite rock and roll bands but i had to go see them Oh, yeah. It's yeah. the last in this life, whatever the tour is called, into the road tour or whatever. And I want to see him. I got nothing but respect for Paul Stanley and Gene Sims. They didn't have Ace Freely or Peter Chris there, but it was still a good show. The pyrotechnics and a little overboard the theatricals mm-hmm. with the, the blood capsules and stuff with Gene. And but again, great show. Yeah. But dude, that Kid Rock concert, different mm-hmm. level. Unbelievable. That's next level shit as far as a performer goes. And he deserves to have all the notoriety as 
entertainer of the year on these award shows. He lives in Nashville. He's got country songs. Why is he, he, he you know why? Because you can't put him in a box. I, and I wonder if it's, you know, we've talked about it before on this show. It's just that that show business, right? That that might hold him down because he is unapologetic and doesn't fit into a box. And, you know, he's he's a zany character. I don't know if you, uh, you know, his social media, he was at Junkie, you know, the secondhand clothing store here in Reno. Uh, and then, you know, the very next picture, he's holding a handgun, you know, in his on his tour bus with his guy you know he's just he's a wild dude and some people don't like that i guess you know but why wouldn't you that, that's the thing about that's the spice of life dude i know like why like you why can't you see that this guy has love for all of those different sectors of life what is the what is the big deal of i mean why what would the reason be why you don't like kid rock could you name some i like everything about him i i think he's a it's funny. They say he's a racist, but no, we we all know how many friends he has that are not white. Like, he grew up in Detroit. Dude. The guy is. Uh, oh, speaking of that Eminem song, when uh, Berserk, when he brings the kid, the kid rock partner and kids in the video, yeah. that was badass. But no, like it's like he gets this rap. Like he's in the news about Oprah, and he's in the news about this man, dude. The guy is sharp. He has built a career, a very – he's probably got the most successful bar, the Kid Rock Honky Tonk on Broadway in Nashville. is probably the most successful bar. If I had to guess, and I know Al Dean's got his and Luke Bryan's got his and Blake Shelton's got his and Alan Jackson's got his and there's Tootsie's, which Kid Rock loved. You know, he's good friends with Steve we Smith. We saw him there, remember? Yeah, I remember we've seen Kid Rock at, at Tootsie's before. Um, I, I would bet everything I have that he's got the most – Revenue driving bar on Broadway in Nashville, Tennessee. Hmm. But he's not country. So what is he? Why isn't he respected for being that? Why isn't he respected for driving that brand that people love? He's got Dean James Jr. in there playing on Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. And Dean just played a Jack Daniels event for us in Lynchburg. Bro, different level shit too. Really? Yeah. Everybody from Jack Daniels is walking up to me going, um, usually people are gone by now. Usually that everybody just makes their shuttle and they leave. Nobody would leave. Everybody was dancing. He was blowing their mind. He went from Almond Brothers to freaking Stevie Wonder to Guns N' Roses to his to his all of his originals to freaking Prince. I mean, he was pulling out stuff where people are just like, "This dude is on." And his guitar, his band was tight too. Really, you know why? I mean, he Kid Rock discovered him and signed him, and freaking he works with Bobby. Like, there's some serious talent and vision with Kid Rock that. I just wanted to touch on it because it's like, where does he fit into the musical picture except the live show? You don't see him getting number one hits. You don't see him in a lot of rotation. You know, the Alabama song did, the Sweet Home song did, right? All, all Summer Long. All Summer Long's is his only number and, one hit. Is it number one? Yeah. Oh, you looked it up. So he got a number one with All Summer Long. I Googled Long. it, yeah. And then he had a picture, I think, went number two with Sheryl Crow. It didn't say anything about that, but uh, he definitely got it. Uh, for that all summer long song. That was all the way in 2008, I think. Yeah, it's was it really? All summer long. Rock and Roll Jesus got a number 1 as well. No. On two, what on two, what chart? 2007 Billboard. On the Billboard chart. Perfect. So I was wrong. He's had two. I swear on Howard Stern, he didn't have that many and I don't think that that interview was prior to it, but a lot of his songs should have been number 1. You can't tell oh. me when you're talking setting up shop at the top of Four Seasons. Dude, that's, that oh. song is so clever. What about the Joe C. tribute, too? What were you going to say? Are you looking at another chart on there? No, no, no. 
Uh, I know that you're a Joe C fan. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite. Uh, one of the lines in his song is, uh, uh, get a sidecar on, gl- on my glide so Joe C can ride. That's a Harley reference. You know, he's got a sidecar on his street glide so that his buddy can ride with him. That's a, yeah, he's a, he's uh, my funny, my, my favorite, but the funniest part he ran all those pictures through, you know, and he's showing himself with all the people. And he says, and the most beautiful women in the world. And it was him and Steven Tyler, Tyler, dude. I freaking died. I remember he did that at Sturgis. I laughed out loud. Oh, my God. Oh, God. You you know he's friends with Steven Tyler. That's what I was going to bring up. I wonder if he sang with him or, you know, Steven Tyler's got a badass voice. Oh, well, dude, Steven Tyler crossed all hip-hop lines in 86. When he with did the, Walk with, This Way with Run DMC, uh, Run DMC I listened yeah. to it three times yesterday. Mm-hmm. No, wait. What's today? Monday? On Sunday, I went to Sushi. I listened to it three times off of the Raising Hill album. Aerosmith and uh, and and Run DMC. That was one of my favorite videos that used to come on MTV when MTV had videos. Steven rips that song on Dude, there. so Walk good. This But, of course, kids collaborated with him. Um, I remember one time Kid was um, hosting one of the – country award shows i don't know if it was the cmas or the amcs or whatever but he's like hey and here's my brother zach brown he points over here and zach's singing on the freaking deal it's like maybe like right when chicken fried came out maybe or sweet annie or colder weather or something i, I think he was singing chicken fried and he's like my other brother jamie johnson's over here and the camera switches and jamie johnson's on another part of the stage singing and dude kid rocks friends with all of those guys all of them. He had freaking Ric Flair at his yeah. freaking pad the other day I saw on social media with John Party and Michael Ray and some other people. Don't you think that you you could hang with Kid Rock? Like, dude, I, that's why oh, he yeah, strikes me his, as the type of guy that you'd go drink beers with him tomorrow. You know what I mean? Dude, I've been on his cruise several times back oh, in yeah, the day. Oh, yeah, the rocking, rocking the Most, yeah? Rocking the Coast. Something and, like that. And uh, Dougie Fresh, Mark McGrath, Drake White, Band of Heathens. Uh, missing one, I think. And then Kid. And I got to go up to a suite. You know, I was there with Drake, and we went up there, and him and Drake were becoming better friends at that time. And I got to talk to Kid. I brought him some duck calls, him and his girlfriend. And um, but I got to I got to see him like in the, just in that raw, friendly vibe, smoking a cigar, hanging out, cutting up, bullshitting, rapping, ribbing people, doing the you know what friends do. The dude, I think that the diversity of Kid Rock might intimidate some people because he is. You know, that song, Cocky, and, you know, about the, I've been on the cover of the Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. I met the president when I was half stoned. And just that's his life. He's done all that shit. Yep. And that's so freaking admirable to me that he doesn't cut corners. He believes in his brand. He He's so unapologetic. Take it or leave it kind of attitude. I'm not playing your games. I'm not doing it. I'm going to go and show my fans what it means to be an entertainer. And I'm going to show them that these working class Americans that spend 150, 80, whatever the tickets are, those tickets were expensive for that casino show. Oh, yeah. I'm going to show them that we appreciate every dollar they spend to come watch our band and every beer they buy, every parking permit they pay for, every shirt they buy at my merch booth. I'm going to show them that it means something to me because you know that he that he doesn't take that shit for granted. That's what his show and meeting him and being around him and seeing how he treats people. That's what that show meant to me. Yeah. It's how he actually cares about his fans. Cause in the, at the end of the day, he, I'll say it again. He could have walked off of there in 60 minutes. I'm not a hundred percent on that, but I would bet that his contract is like 60, 70 minutes for a casino show. Yeah. And, and I mean, well, what's the noise ordinance? Isn't it like 10 30? It's it's ten on a weekend night. It's nine on the weekday night. So ten o'clock, and he he had an opener that went on at eight. 
No, no, no. He went on at seven, right? Oh, seven. did he? Kid Montana I think did? Kid came on at eight, you're saying. I think Kid came on a little before eight. I mean, a little after eight. Not very much after eight, though. But I think you're right. I think, but he was cl- he did close to a two hour show, right? Is what we're we're kind of getting at. Well, we have proof on a on a. Oh, uh, I guess that's right. Our four inch screen will will prove us right. Our four inch screen. We'll hear um, the video that I took to start the concert. The first song was at eight thirty seven p.m. on Friday when he walked out on the stage with all the darkness and smoke. And he probably went till ten ten. I know he went past the ten o'clock thing. Dude, just listen to this, please. This was unbelievable. Uh, Welcome to the greatest show on earth. I love it. The whole freaking concert, dude, from that point on, I love how he stops that song and the dude walks out with his hat and the cigar and he takes all the time lighting the cigar and shit. Was that a cigar or was that marijuana? Oh, was it? I don't don't know. know. I was curious well, for the to purposes know. of this podcast, maybe cigar. I don't care what he smokes. Yeah. I don't give a shit. I was just curious what it was too. Look I, at that audience, dude. It was, dude. I just I want to thank Kid Rock, Tim yeah. Montana. I want to thank Corey Gearman. I mean, to know these guys and to know the focus they have and the dedication in their craft—that's what it means to me. That's what I wanted to get across. Of this guy should win Entertainer of the Year. That show right there. Is better than, and I love Luke Bryan as a person, and I think Jason Aldean's great, and I think that Garth Brooks puts on a hell of a show. But that concert right there, and you're telling me that he doesn't deserve to be in the conversation for Entertainer of the Year in rap, rock, hip hop, and country blues, you're out of your freaking mind. Mm. That is an entertaining freaking genius. Fair to say? Fair to say. Guaranteed. I'm trying to, I'm trying to wrap my mind around. That's what you know. That's what bothers people probably about him. You just said it. He could be entertainer of the year in so many different genres. They don't want to deal with it. They can't deal with it. You know what I mean? I guess you could, but it upsets the cycle. Well, he's my entertainer of 2020, 2021. I haven't seen a lot of concerts this year. It was the best one I saw. I've seen quite a few. I know you have <laughs> quite a few. Twice to him. Seen him twice. I've seen Hank, and I love Bocevis. I saw Kiss. Um, you know what I hear? I don't know if you heard what happened with Tim McGraw here, but I heard that didn't go very well at that same oh amphitheater. Did you hear about all that? Yeah, <laughs> made, made Reno, Reno even more famous again. Whoa! And what, then uh, somebody told me they thought that that wasn't really him up there. What, that, that's I know that's a rumor, but do you think those guys ever get like stand-ins and stuff no like way. that? I wouldn't think so. But either. I guess he forgot the words to a, a lot of his songs. Yeah, said he was on had been filming Yellowstone for forty eight hours and was sleep deprived. Oh really? But if you paid a hundred bucks or whatever it is, to how go many see nights him, do you, you think care? Mick Jagger's been sleep deprived at a Stones concert? Eighty years. How many nights is that? <laughs> I just saw a video of him at a concert. Can you believe that? He rips. Him and oh Keith rip, dude. But again, this this Kid Rock audience is not a, in my opinion, is not a radio hit driven audience. They are a cult following that have followed this man's career, and listen to every song that he does every album because he doesn't get a lot of acclaim on his albums if i'm not i'm not speaking from a lot of knowledge there okay i don't pick up rolling stone or billboard and read the critics on kid rock i'm not saying i do but again he's not being he's not getting a lot of airplay he's not getting a lot of spins at radio if i had to guess and i don't listen to a lot of i know you could go on spotify and probably have kid rock radio or on to what's the other one pandora pandora but 
Terrestrial I, radio. I don't think he gets a lot of spins in. on terrestrial radio. No. I bet she hasn't got a lot since all summer long. Right. I think I Bob would have bought used to get some back in the day, you know, on the rock stations, but not a lot. I don't know what he got with that, but that's the shit that Bill, he, I built. I was listening to Kid Rock in 1993, proud to say. 1993, when he when he first came out with that album about the Five Cent Grits, they, I was listening to him from that time on. And I know he had a hiatus and he came back, but, man, I just had to talk about that show. It's been on my mind a lot of the response that we got. And you said the generational people in that audience. Brad Forsythe's 55 years old. He's been to a lot of concerts. He said top three concerts he's ever seen. Mm-hmm. And he's been all over the – he's been to Boston with me to Fenway twice with Zach Brown. And Zach Brown – Puts on a freaking show. Yeah, I was going to say a he big does a time good show. show too. It could be the best show in America, from their covers to their originals to their musicianship and Clay Cook and 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 all of the different people, all of the different band members that that are rocking the Zach Brown band, Jimmy and freaking Big John and Coy Boyles. Like there are it's some insane. Like I think Coy and Clay. No, Clay and Matt Mangiano. Matt Mangiano is one of the best bass players I've ever seen. They say he's one of the best there is. He's the bald-headed guy in Zach Brown Band. Him and Clay Cook went to Berkeley School of Music in Boston with John Mayer. They were roommates with John Mayer. Clay Cook wrote, like, every song on John Mayer's. That's a little bit exaggeration, but, like, almost every song on John Mayer's debut album. Really? Yeah, I don't know if it was Room with a View or Room of whatever it was called, but I don't remember what songs were on it. But Clay Cook wrote a lot of the songs on there. They were in a band together. Um, Where do you put them with uh, Guns N' Roses when we saw them at AT&T Park a few years ago? Well, you know how, that was you know how biased unreal. I am about Guns N' Roses. I know, but that was a good show, even if you aren't so biased. I saw the original Gene. Well, I can't say the original because Izzy wasn't there, but Gilby Clark, Matt Sorum, Dizzy Reed, Duff McKagan, Slash, Axl Rose, the backup singers, Teddy's backup singers, Teddy Zigzag Andreas on the harmonica for Bad Obsession. Am I missing anybody? Where'd you see this That's at? What? All over, 1993. Oh, Dustin you saw Bones, multiple times. Multiple times. Like 17 cities. God. Dustin Bones tour and then the Use Your Illusion tour when they co-headline with Metallica. Like, I was a groupie, dude. Right. I'm not saying I would have done anything with GNR, but... If the opportunity... That, that show with Axel's energy and his ability to hit different octaves in his voice, he's the best lead singer, front man of all time, in my opinion. I just... Uh, to, to, when we went to AT and T Park, I don't know, I don't know what AT and T Park holds, but then they also let everybody stand on the field. Fifty six we thousand that night. Fifty six, fifty six thousand that night. Fifty six thousand people were in the stadium that night, and I think it holds like forty two for baseball games. And didn't it feel like you were at the Nugget? I mean, it, oh, yeah. it, it just felt unreal. And like you said, so much energy. You know, Kid Rock had the same thing. There's, we never sat down one time. I don't even know if we had chairs I was to sit off down. When on. it ended, yeah. But remember when it started? We were still coming up the ramp. They had no, no, no BS, no intro, no starting. They just right into a, the first riff, and they were ramp. They, you know, they were going. And I'm and I, I'm not saying that I don't like a little chill. Hey, Reno, how you doing? Right. But dude, when you have that many songs and you have that ability to hold the energy and the crowd to that standard. Dude, just shut up and sing. And that's what Kid Rock did. Yeah. He freaking blew our minds, dude. Blew our minds. Like 100%, I will go down in history as saying this, that I've seen the sickest of George Straits. I've seen Garth Brooks do shit in stadiums. That show is in my top three concerts of all time with all the GNR songs. With every every ballad I've seen sang by Cody Jinks or Jamie Johnson or any Texas Red Dirt musician. 
Chris Stapleton, I've seen him four or five times. Um, Drake White puts on a high-energy show. Zach Brown is in my top three concerts. Guns N' Roses, Zach Brown, and Kid Bobby Ritchie Rock. Yeah. I mean that. That show solidified him as one of my favorite live artists of all time. I hope he comes back. He's got to. If the Nugget doesn't bring him back for a freaking encore next summer, they're freaking losing. They're, they're out of their mind. Yeah. They're out of their mind. Yep. Insane. That's breaking it down. Thank you, Kid Rock. Thank you, Corey. Unbelievable time. Unbelievable presence, stage presence. Thank you for the songs. Thank you for the dedication and focus to your craft. Hopefully we broke that down the right way. I'm still on cloud nine for that show. I'll never forget it. What no. a great birthday present. Thank you, Jack Daniels. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. Keep listening to This Life Ain't For Everybody. Check out our sister podcast, The Foul Life, and Where the Pavement Ends. Brand new episode starting November 2nd, 2021, exclusively on the Outdoor Channel, Season 13 of Benelli's The Foul Life. We're with California Waterfowl Association. We have seven more episodes to share with you. Great stories, great guests, including... Brent Cobb. Oh, yeah, we got old BC up on one of them shows on his duck hunt on the California-Oregon border. Again, thank you all for listening. Chad, Alex, breaking it down. Tom, Jake, hit that button. I'm going out with the Kid Rock song, dude. I have to go out with all summer long. I got way, there's way better ones, but I love this song. Hopefully Kid doesn't get mad at me for doing this. We started the show with Cowboy. We're going out of the show. You heard a little bit of The Greatest Show on Earth live from my iPhone. And we're leaving this episode of Breaking It Down, This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast, Kid Rock, all summer long.